Hola amigos and welcome to Creative Inc. Willie and Cassie podcast. Also Willie's View podcast. And good morning Cassie. How are we this morning? We're great. How are you? Doing great. You want to introduce our special guest? Oh yes. We have uh, our loan whisperer Ray Waugh. And uh, he's got a lot of great information. We've got some great questions. And I'm going to hand it over to Ray, and he's going to give us a little um, uh, background on uh, how we got into the business and how things are going, and then we'll get into our questions. Sounds good. Ray, good morning. Thank you, Cassie. Well, special guest. I like hearing that. Thank you. Well, I'll <laughs> get right in there because, you know, time is money, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to share this uh, knowledge with uh, with your folks this morning, so I'm going to jump right in. My name is Ray Rao, 727-512-0497, and I'm a mortgage broker with Phoenix Loan Solutions, Inc. Anyhow, yeah, let's uh, let's jump right in and talk about what's going on. Um, everybody's going, what's going on with the market as far as, uh, you know, is it going to get worse? Is it going to, you know, the big word now is bubble and transition and so on and so forth. It looks like we're gonna uh, we're gonna what they do rebalance. Anybody know about the word balance? Ba- balance? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Some some say it's just a setting on a washing machine, but they're using that in the uh, economic forecast for housing. We're going to go through a rebalance in uh, 2022, 2023. So how can I help you specifically with some um, questions you have for me? Uh, Okay, the first question, where do you see home buying and selling going within uh, this year with all the turmoil that's going on? I I see a softening. You know, we're still going to see price increases, but much slower price increases. I think over 2020 and 2021, we've seen a 19% increase. In, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, I know, 19.6, actually, if you want to be specific, oh. but almost 20%. And I see, I think we're going to see uh, 2022 and 23, it's going to it's going to continue to increase home prices, but by about 11, 11 or so percent. So I see a rebalancing, uh, and I see it's going to be half of what it was um, the year prior. Now, is that across the board, across the country, or, I mean, it's gone crazy here in Florida, and I understand California, New York. Is it across the board, or like across yes, the country? Yes, it's actually the United States. Mm-hmm. Now, is that um, because there was a boom with uh, people working from home? I mean, I saw that about six months ago. Oh, we can work from home, we can go and live anywhere. So that kind of uh, added to the mix, Correct. Correct. It's a unique uh, set of combinations that led us to the uh, this boom. Obviously, the pandemic had everybody quarantined, locked down, and so on and so forth. So that squelched any kind of movement. But now what we're seeing, we're getting back to pre-pandemic uh, costs and things and so far. And that's why everybody said, well, it's going up. Well, it's actually getting closer to what it was before uh, the pandemic. But yes, yeah, a unique circumstances where you no longer have to drive into the office 30 40 50 minute drive sometimes an hour some people go from sarasota to camp and vice versa parts in between and so yeah, yeah, that, people, and that, uh, gas, um, that gas bill that could go to a 
to a mortgage. So people are juggling yep. uh, their, their money and where it's going to go. And and uh, it's amazing how much you can save when you're working from home uh, just on um, on gas as well as yep. clothing and all, all mm-hmm. kinds of everything. Lunch mm-hmm. is out every day. <laughs> right. Right. All of that contributes to... Uh, to expenses and uh yes the uh people of uh people are now starting to realize they don't have to drive in they do i've been working remotely for eight years so um but what now they're doing is they they were you know a year and a half two years ago they would still sit on their hands as far as selling because they didn't want people tracing through the house with that pandemic or the covid so on and so forth and all those fears so now that they don't have to drive and it's uh covid is subsiding to some degree they can start selling houses and move closer to where their family is or to where they've always wanted to live because the constraints, like you said earlier, of work and the job and driving, they're no longer there. All right. Now, is it a good idea to, uh, to buy or um, rent? What are your, um, your views on that? Well, that's a great question because a lot of people are on the fence. So, you know, I don't want to go through what happened in the Great Recession. You know, um, and so it's always a good time to buy um, and own a piece of the American dream. Here's what's happening, and it's very simple math, is prices of homes are going to continue to rise. They're not going to continue to rise at the breakneck pace they did that we've seen through 2020 and 2021. But they're going to continue to rise. They're going to, your house is going to ten, continue to appreciate and uh uh, interest rates, as you know, that's been the big uh, catchword all over uh, social media. They're, they're gonna they're gonna inch up. So yeah, so a house now. If you don't buy a house now, you're probably gonna lose nine hundred um, to three thousand uh, waiting. So in just the purchase price and cost fees and stuff, origination uh, just by waiting. So yeah, it is expensive to wait. Now, who do you find are the um your, your major um, clients, is it um, older people? Is it younger people? Is it the Gen Xers? Who, who's, who's, doing, who's doing the most movement or the, mo- the more, most changes? Or do you that's, a great, that's a great question, Cassie, because it's curiously, um, the millennials have actually um, jumped in and contributed to snatching out most of the houses, and that's contributed to the low inventory that uh, you're here, the catchword of low inventory. Is that they're jumping into the market in force and, um, and settling into home buying. Now, is it as investors, or is it because I followed the millennials for about five or six years, and I know at one time they didn't want a mortgage, they didn't want a car, they didn't want all these burdens. Now, are they are they going doing that to invest, or do you know? Here's a that's a great question because it's twofold. Millennials are buying homes for themselves as as a purchase for themselves. Okay. Yes, because let's face it, everybody millennials are probably the most um, educated because now they have a thing in their hand we didn't have. And that's a computer, the cell phone, and they can Google what's going on with the economy, what's going on with home prices, and they can see that it's a good it's a good bet versus where they're renting. Okay, they had a gym in the bottom, they had you know all kinds of uh, community things and right in their rental, but the rents were probably the fourth. I think we're close to the fourth highest rental market in the country. 
And yeah. so they're seeing, they're doing the math. They have the computer in their hand. They're seeing it's a lose-lose to continue to, to pay rent. Uh, right now, jump in, buy a house, allow it to appreciate two to three years down the road, do a refinance, get a better rate when their uh, credit scores come up. So, yes, they're, they're definitely buying. Here's a curious thing about the millennials is they're buying their second home first. Um, and th- yes, I know it, it sounds in- it sounds interesting, but that a lot of them come into the market and they and they're looking for the houses at the top, the top of the scale of their income. Yeah. Um, I remember when my parents got in, or I got in, and my friends and family got in. We always did what they call you remember the word Cassie a starter home, right? Yeah, yeah, starter home. Buy a starter home, you fix it up a little bit, you put an addition on it. You build your credit, you build, you know, you make a little yard, you make it a nice little cozy home, and then you put your sights on a bigger home, maybe move into an area closer to family or friends. Well, they, They're they, buying their they, second home first. Yeah. Millennials mm-hmm. don't. Millennials don't want that. They want everything uh, done for them. But the thing with millennials, and I'm I'm generalizing, but I've done enough research. Uh, a lot of them, it's an in, in inheritance. They ha- they have the cash flow, and uh, they ca- they can afford to uh, have it all done done for you, and not have to wait. And they don't want the mess of uh, refurbishing, or they hire somebody. <laughs> it's a different world today. Yes, yes. So uh, let's answer some more questions that you might have on your mind. Okay, is it a good time to consolidate debts? Or cash out and refi or add on to uh, my home, a new deck or extra room? Great, great, great question. So what I'm seeing now is the consolidation is just smart. Because people went through the pandemic. They went through some areas where they uh, they ran up some credit cards. And they have now they have that every month. And they have the uh, car payment, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe they took out a little loan to do some remodeling on a house, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's a great time to consolidate because the appreciation of the equity in the homes is the highest it's ever been since 2007. Oh, okay, okay. You're educating the listeners. That's uh, that's good to know. Well, yeah, that's the idea of sharing information. So the more you know, the easier it is for the both of us to serve each other. And that's what we're that's what we're all after. Education is key, and education is, uh, you know, the knowledge is power, so that's good. Yeah, yeah it's all good, and we want to contribute to each other. So you're saying don't uh, don't be afraid to refi, uh, um, consolidate your your debts? And, I'll, uh, give you a, I'll give you an answer to that, Cassie. One of my friends called me the other day. Um, he had two car payments. He had a construction loan. He did some improvements on his house. So he was really getting top heavy, as they say, and uh, carrying a lot of debt. And he works every day and he makes a good coin every year. And so what I did with him was I refinanced him to a lower rate and paid off two cars and the construction loan out of the equity in his home. So his bottom line, yeah, I know, he's been saying well now for six, seven months since we last did that refi. Here's the here's the math. $866 a month was taken off of his uh, debt, off of his monthly cost. Oh, that, that's, that's a nice uh, burden to let go of, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, as long as he's uh, disciplined and doesn't uh, get back into... Uh, 
any other uh, debt, then that that's that's educating. You know, the, the the word discipline there, or the uh, the uh, the reference to it is, you know, a lot of us with some great values, core values. Let's include ourselves. You know, we found ourselves up against it with that pandemic. You know, some of us lost our jobs. Some of us had the uh, supervisor on the job say, "Look, I got to cut your hours." the 22 hours and you're not going to be working it and, and we had to squeeze through so yeah. even though we had good sense on on keeping a budget and everything we actually were pushed outside of our comfort zone many times just to keep the bills paid the electric the water flowing and so some of us had to depend on those credit cards as we're emerging from the you know the pandemic and you know the world the world was shuttered for almost two years as we're recovering from this uh, shutdown, we're starting to see that now we can get better footing, we can go back to our values, we can get that rebalancing uh, back on. And yes, and some of us did way outside of our comfort zones in order to keep the roof over the head. Well, I, w- I went through um, uh, the 2008-2010, uh, we had the oil spill here in Florida, we had the stock market take, um, so, been there, done that, but there's, uh, here we are now, I, I thought I'd never go through that again, and here we are with the, uh, the pandemic, but it's amazing, um, we're resilient, uh, and I, I look at it uh, positive, things are, it's, this is going to settle down, this is going to settle down, so. Absolutely, I see indications of that already, um. You know, the tension, everybody knows about the tension in the stores. We're seeing the supply issues. It's all the whipsaw, you know, of an economy emerging from basically being completely shuttered. Um, And so we're starting to see some, I'd like to see the tensions are lessening, but we still got a ways to go. You're not going to shutter the entire world for almost two years and expect it to, you know, to slip back or pop back like a rubber band. There's going to be quite a bit of changes and and yeah, we, needed, uh, we we needed a shift anyways i mean i, I and one of the supply chains too many um uh, choices too much uh, it, it, we were all obsessed with what's going on it, it needed it needed a shift a mm-hmm. <laughs> go back to as you say basic values and mm-hmm. every everything uh, yesterday and uh, i i think the pandemic is uh, down the road is uh, for some is going to be a plus uh, and everything's for a reason. Yeah. Even the, even the truckers, I have a, a friend that's been a trucker for 30 years, and uh, he said it's not about uh, the uh, mandates on the uh, on the vaccines. He said right. uh, people need to realize that we've kept the, the country moving, and uh, you wouldn't believe the, the restrictions. One um, example, he said... Um, you know, if you if you get stopped uh, on the road and your your tail lights, um, you know, broken, you, you you get a fine or this or that. He said it might be eighty bucks. He says with a trucker, he says it could be three hundred. Mm. So he said, you know, they don't they don't realize what we deal with. So that yeah, that's a very good point. You know, like like you said earlier, until until we talk to somebody that has a little bit more knowledge inside that yeah. particular area, we just don't know. And I didn't know, yeah, I had worked for a large trucking firm when I was in Maspeth. And, yeah, the, the owners shoulder quite a few expenses. We had no idea. And, yeah, that, you know, it's time we see across America that 
certainly in Florida, the, the suppressed wages are coming oh. to light. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, Florida's mo- for the most part a hospitality state. And because of the rising rents that you're seeing, most of the people that wait on our tables or stock the shelves in our in our stores, they can't afford to live in the same town where they're working because the rents are so high. And so now, now that you brought that up, it was um, my daughter and I were out for dinner and we had a, the greatest server, young kid, really pleasant, very nice. And one of the reasons he was so upset, he said, I never realized he said most of his money is is tips and cash and whatever. And when he went to get a loan for a house, he couldn't come up with um, the money. He says, I'm making the money. He says, I'm making, you know, the thousands of dollars. He says, but I don't have the proof. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I felt so bad for him. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a great, that's, a, that's actually a, a good insight. Because one of the things I do as a broker that separates me from just being a loan originator is I'll take a guy like that and say he has very low reported income, uh, like W-2s and tax returns, but he steadily produces money. He's in, it's in his bank account. He pays his rent on time. He pays his utilities on time, et cetera, et cetera. He has somewhat uh, good financial standing. I'll take into a bank statements loan with him. Well, and, you know, if I if I had known mm-hmm. you then, I could have, I could, I, could, I, I felt so sorry for him. But I didn't know you then. But that's that's good uh, information to know. And There's a lot a broker can do, Cassie. Uh, okay. Much much further outside, just a mortgage loan officer, because I don't have any walls. I I could I could shop him right to somebody that would handle his particular situation. And, and be able to say, yes, I can do this for you. If you're willing to commit, I'm willing to commit, we'll see this through. And I put people that are, um, you know, uh, self-employed business owners. You know, sometimes their tax returns are, are somewhat diminished um, because of deductions, et cetera, or expenses. And they can't show on their tax returns their actual um, sometimes dollar income, but they can do it pass-through like a restaurant owners on, on through their bank statements. So a lot of restaurant owners and self-employed people, uh, I take their bank statements and show consistently averages across the year. We can do a 12 or 24 month broadcast of bank statements and show their actual income, submit that um, for their ability to repay and get them into a mortgage so they can own. Well, great, great to know now. Um, do you just deal like because uh, we're talking? You're in Florida. I'm in Florida. Do you do anything across country, or how how does that work? Now, I want you to give up your phone number and have uh, our listeners call in, and uh, of course, have their consultation with you. But um, sure. I'm just thinking, do you do uh, out of state, like out of Florida? So, two questions, and I'll be happy to answer each one of them. The phone number is seven two seven area code. Five one two zero four nine seven. Again, my name is Ray Rao, uh, the Lone Whisperer. You can Google me. I'm not hard to find, that's for sure. I got billboards and bus signs and so on and so on, all the social media. So looking up Ray Rao isn't going to be hard. The second thing um, you asked was, um, what do I, what do I, what was it specifically? What did you want to know, uh, Cassie? Because this, uh, our podcast goes all over. So if people call you out of state, um, are you going to be able to help them as well? 
So can I originate loans in another state? Yes, I guess. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, so I wanted to fine-tune that question because we have what they call affiliates, uh, Phoenix Loan Solutions. We have other affiliates in other states. So I believe Phoenix has approximately 42 affiliates. So through 42 other states, I'm able to originate loans. For instance, um, I had done a home loan for uh, a young couple, oh, about five years ago in um, St. Petersburg, Florida. They bought a beautiful home, et cetera, et cetera. They made an addition on it, so on and so They were here for years, got an opportunity to, uh, to move closer to family, like we were talking about initially, and he moved to South Carolina, wanted to buy a house there. He was very happy with the way I had produced the loan for him originally five years back, wanted to use me to purchase a home in South Carolina. So what I did was I called uh, I called an affiliate that I've worked with before in South Carolina and says I have a I have a client. I gave him all the information on the client, updated everything, ported it over to him. He took care of it and got the guy into a home with a mortgage in South Carolina. I got lots of thank yous and kudos. So yes. Well, wonder oh, that's that's great. That's great to know. Great information. Uh, Willie, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, what do you think? I am very impressed, and it's good that you're helping so many people because it's like you said at the beginning. It's just because of the pandemic, it is a shift, and again, what like Cassie said, it's something that needed to happen so that we can kind of get back on track of priorities and, you know, just going on the, that path. Well, and to, uh, and to alleviate some of the fear and apprehension with uh, our listeners out there, uh, because it's it's good to know, I, I, and I come across people every day with, with issues, and uh, I love it when there's somebody that knows what they're doing. How long have you been in this business, uh, Ray? So my history goes back as far as helping and qualifying uh, borrowers, clients, customers. Um, for 20 years, I owned 11 rental properties right in downtown St. Pete. Wow. So I, yeah, so I qualified tenants for 20 years. And I was on uh, four neighborhood associations, um, chamber of commerce. I was involved with uh, code zoning. Um, I was, in fact, I sat there in Baywalk. I sat with Craig Sembler and Mayor Baker for the uh, christening of Baywalk back then when it came on. And so my, my history with approving borrowers, and then uh, the fellow, the gentleman, his name is Warren, a uh, good friend of mine who was doing all of my mortgages as I purchased houses. Uh, Warren said to me one day, he says, why don't you do this? And he introduced me to his, um, to his uh, supervisor, Kelly. I went down there, spoke to her. Um, she hired me on the spot. I went and did all my tests. I spent a year in schooling. Because it's federal state tested. Let me tell you what. There is a barrier to entry in this trade. You better know the material. Passed all of that stuff, so on and so forth, and I became what they called a loan originator. Okay, okay. Hmm. And, uh, and as you're talking to me today, I'm now a uh, broker. So uh, it's, been a, it's been an absolute beautiful run being able to help not only locals, because I've been in St. Petersburg, Florida, 40 years 
And I've been coming to Florida with my family, uh, mom and dad, when their their dad lived in Miami. So I have I have roots here. Um, so it is kind of neat helping a school teacher or a fireman or a veteran get into home right here in St. Petersburg, Florida. It really is amazing to do that. It's kind of it's very rewarding. Well, I'm glad to hear that you help out uh, the veterans because uh, they've got gotten a raw deal over the years so that's good to know i appreciate that you're welcome and I, I could talk about the veterans for all you know quite a bit of time i'm a veterans advocate and i'm also personally i'm a honor flight guard i take uh, veterans to washington dc to see the memorials for a day and um i'm currently a coast guard auxiliarist and well, we're gonna have we're gonna have you back, right, Willie? Yes, yeah, definitely. Great. Oh, definitely. I'm yes. To yes. So yes. much to share. I've got a blessed life. Yes. I want to thank uh, Cassie and Willie and your time, and I hope I shared some information that will help you and your listeners. Today. Oh yes, yes. Oh, I Cassie's got. got couple, yeah, Cassie's got two so. more questions, and then I've got my two to add as well. Where where are uh, people uh, investing most right now? You mean overall investments or housing? Um, no, I guess both. Yeah, it's all. That's always it's. <laughs> those are the two uh, the two main things. Uh, housing. It's always a, I, look. Everyone, if you sit on it long enough, everyone's going to make some money. It's still you, you can't change that as far as purchasing a, a home, right? Correct. And, and where most I see investments in general is in housing. You know, what's an interesting, and I'll try to shorten it up. But what's interesting that I've watched over the last several years, certainly in the last two, is investors coming into. The housing market, like Blackstone, um, Redfin, so on and so forth. And what they're doing is buying entire blocks yeah. of homes. Yeah. yeah, you're familiar with that. And yeah. they're turning it. Well, they're good and they're bad. Um, they also come in and they'll take blocks of depressed properties. And they, put the, they do it right. They put the money into them. They rehab them. They turn them around. They, they raise the value of the neighborhood. Um but also, they're setting the pricing high, um, yeah. and the and the rents are the highest in the country. And right now, these larger out of state companies or out of sometimes uh, and foreign investors are dictating what the rents are going to be here. And, and like I said earlier, it's it's uh, it's 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 pricing a lot of the locals out of where they uh, would like to live and work. But again, the rainbow and all of this, or the bright spot and all of this, is. The investors are starting to see that we're going to get a softening. And so you're going to see a little bit more inventory trickle in as they start to sell off uh, well, some of these rental properties. Okay, that, that's that's good to know. Can you yes. put, um, uh, can a person put down less than 20% and get a good deal on fees and interest rates? Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the... One of the things that most loan originators, brokers, people in this business do is undo the um, stereotypes or the misinformation that the media presents as far as interest rates, 20%, so on. That particular jargon is very erroneous, but it's what they have and it's a piece that they understand. So that's what they use. Yes, 
Um, I do them as low as 3%. And also there's so many options to get somebody into a house and or um, be able to get them a good rate. What you want to look at, Cassie, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll wind up with this, is, is you want the lowest fees to get into a home, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of people, you know, they dangle the carrot, the media, the television, interest rate, interest rates, interest rate. Across the board, the interest rates are still historically low, okay? So an interest rate, sometimes you can go a quarter point, eighth of a point. What's the difference? $13, $20 a month. How about if I raise your interest rate an eighth of a point and pay most of your closing costs? Would you be interested in that? No. <laughs> good point. Good point. So, a lot of times people think interest rates are the end-all, be-all, but actually, you want to pay the least amount to get into that home. Yeah, well, fees with everything is what uh, that's... Mm -hmm. And that's where the focus needs to be. Of course, interest rates are, are important. Uh, most people move every 7 to 10 years, so they don't even see most of the principal paid down before they move anyhow, so interest rates, you know, basically not the, the big catch-all. What you want to do is spend the least amount of money to get your product, correct? Right. And that's in the fees. So that's what I focus on is the lowest origination. When I work with veterans, of course, I go across the board, use the title companies, appraisal companies that are also veteran-friendly, et cetera, et cetera, once you qualify as a, uh, as a U.S. veteran. So well, that's, 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 that's what people need to focus on. Oh, that's my next question. Do you offer any discounts for veterans? Um, across the board. Across the board. Of course. Um, you know, you said something about veterans got a raw deal. Actually, that is not 100% true. Across the board, we are veteran friendly in the housing. Very veteran friendly. You, okay. uh, you know, I, I've, I've had the pleasure of taking a gentleman who was in his late 70s, had, had, served, uh, had served in two theaters, and had been living in an RV because he had very low credit score and he owed the motor uh, he owed uh, the Department of Motor Vehicles some money and he simply could not get a loan. And so I went to a veterans advocate company, had his um, had his uh, motor vehicle fees paid, and then got his credit score rescored, got him out of his RV and into a home. And that was the, one of the greatest things accomplishments that I'm so proud of, of being able to get a veteran out of an RV and living in his own home. Wow. Well, no. well, you've got some some great uh, educational uh, tips here and uh, some, uh, some good testimonials. Thank you. Well, it's all about listening. That's why they call me the lone whisperer. Uh, it's, it's about listening as much as I can to the borrower, promoting the right questions, listening, and what their goals are, because let's face it, most people are scared to death to get a mortgage. They have no idea, because most of your loan originators speak in that language, that jargon, where they uh, they use all of these acronyms. And I spell, I say it out. I don't say LTV, DTI, I say loan to value, debt to income, LOX, letter of explanation. You see what I'm saying? I explain it to you like you and I are going to Publix, and we're going shopping, and we're talking about you know, we're talking about bananas. We're, talk, we're talking about fruit. Mm -hmm. And you understand exactly what I'm saying when I take you through it. No, I, I uh, and I appreciate that. And I'm sure your uh, clients appreciate that. Give us your number again and um, uh, your uh, website uh, link. Mind you, um, 
Uh, Will will put all that in. Uh, Will's uh, Will is who will make do his magic and uh, put everything out there. <laughs> oh, definitely, yes, Great. definitely, yes. <laughs> so the area code is seven two seven five one two zero four nine seven. If you want to reach me and fill out an application or just ask questions, I have a website. It's uh, com. Can't keep it any simpler than that, can I? <laughs> For sure, yeah. Very good. Very good. And you've given us so much insight, and I, I'm glad that you... And Twitter, and, and, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to speak over you. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I'm glad that you're reassuring so many people, because you did put the nail on the head. There's a lot of misinterpretations, and what you just brought up, it definitely clears so much of that. So, thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Well, we have a little surprise for you, um, <laughs> Ray, and I'll, mm. uh, I'll hand it over to Willie. Here we go. <laughs> okay, I want right. surprises. Yes, okay. So we love to do this game. It's called Speed Round. And what it is is we ask a question and you answer the, the answer that comes off the top of your head. This will be fun. All right, here we go. Three foods that you would never eat. Broccoli, asparagus, and um, green beans. Oh, interesting. Well, okay. You don't like your greens. <laughs> no. Cool. Okay. Cool. 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 I don't care for them. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Most of, our, most of our guests say liver. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what? It's funny. I like liver. My mom was really good at preparing a liver that was absolutely delicious. Yeah, well, you better send me the recipe because there's no way that I can I can eat liver. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, three foods that you do like to eat and enjoy. Well, I you know I'm I'm a simple eater. I love steak. Okay. Um, I, I'm a uh, I love seafood, and um, I'm a simple guy. I love Arby's. Oh, yes. I love Arby's. Yes, yes. Very good. Arby's is my favorite, too. Yeah, so that roast. Go, oh, some people have, uh, all, go through all kinds of contortions when I say Arby's. But other people, yeah, it's uh, one of my little hidden hidden gems is I really enjoy that Arby's roast beef sandwich. Of course, a nice Delmonico is, is complimentary, too. Yes, yes. I love that. If we were to listen to your playlist of music, what would be the top five songs? Oh, top five. Well, I mean, I've always been a Queen fan, and that's it, you know, um, um, any one of Fat Thought of Girls, and then, uh, of mm -hmm. course, anything ACDC, Thunderstruck, Puss Meatloaf, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights, um, Inagata DeVita, uh, and um, Golden Earring. Uh, any one of Golden Aaron's uh, uh, songs. Um, and of course, one of my favorites, Cars. The Cars. Uh, Rick Ocasek. Nice. I like yeah. that. Okay. What yeah. about what yeah. about two movies that you have got to see or two movies that you're looking forward to seeing in theaters? Um, I, I, I'm a theater. I mean, I love, I love movies. Um, I'm kind of an old timey. I like some of the old, uh, war record movies, some of my history. Okay. Um, uh, whatever's out there today is, it's always, I love comedies. I'm, I'm an optimist, so I lean more towards comedies. Perfect. Uh, so that's, uh -huh. yeah. 
Okay. And what would be your favorite childhood memory? Uh, my parents uh, taking me to Miami. <laughs> How cool. I like that. Miami, Florida, right on back when Jackie Gleason used to play at the Castaways. Does everybody remember Jackie Gleason? Well, I do. Yes. <laughs> so Jackie Gleason, Miami, played at uh, the rec bar in the Castaways, which was this very elaborate hotel, motel, uh, right on Miami Beach. And uh, Jackie, I remember as a kid, I was probably six, seven years old, and right on Biscayne Boulevard, uh, my parents uh, parked the uh, 64 Pontiac Catalina, and uh, we went into the castaways, and below, they had this bar called the Wreck Bar, and it was done in a, it looked like uh, a shipwreck, a Jack Cousseau undersea water kind of uh, exhibit. It was portholes with fish and very good marine theme. And in, in the center was a stage and Jackie Gleason uh, got up and did stand-up comedy there. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> oh, no, wow. Oh, no. And I my like parents that. driving the Catalina on Daytona Beach. Back when I used to go, because I'm loving my age and I don't mind talking about being 62 years old because it's a blessing, is we used to drive on Daytona Beach with the 64 Catalina. And back then... You could rent donkeys to, to ride back and forth. <laughs> so I had my mom and dad put me on a donkey. A donkey. Those were the days. Yeah. Keep it simple. Uh, Great fond memories of Florida. I love you that. You just have such a blessed life. Well, thank you so much for being our guest, and we definitely would love to have you back in March. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we've got we've got uh, lots of other things, and I know that you're uh, uh, antique car buff, so uh, we can talk about that. <laughs> yes, of which many stories can be told. Speaking of cars, did you catch on the media? They're showing leaked pictures of the new Ferrari. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you I'm a I'm, I'm a car a, lover yeah, too. I, mean, I, I love the, I love I'm, different cars. I love those sports cars or those supercars. Absolutely. But I lean more towards the old iron of, uh, of the United States of America, and I love DeSotos and Packards and Edsels. In fact, I own a 56 uh, DeSoto Firefly. Interesting. Wow. Cool. I like that. Actually, I own two of them, and a 45 Willys Jeep, which I drive on a daily basis. <laughs> cool. And I go to all the, you know, we were talking about VA and Miller. I go to all the military uh, birthdays, VA events, mili uh, mili uh, military uh, holidays, so on and so forth, with a group that has nothing but old military vehicles. And we honor the veterans and those who have served by parading our vehicles at these events. Oh, well, we're going to have to have you back. and. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll have to do podcasts on reflections or something. That would be really cool. And again, oh, um, yeah, and we'd like to definitely have you back for March and get some updates. And who knows, maybe there's some good things that you can um, update us on and, you know, to let us know what's coming up as far as any changes or amendments that need to be made into the you know, this new year that we're in, but we've enjoyed having you. It's, it's been such an honor and, um, we hope that you have a great blessed Wednesday. 
Thank Thank you very very grateful for your time. Yeah, thank you very much for taking the time. This was uh, this was very informative, very educational, and I really appreciate it. Thanks, uh, Ray. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Have a good one. Bye bye. That was so much fun, Cassie. Oh my gosh, we learned so much today. Yeah. Well, and I, I like what he was saying about the millennials because that's such an eye-opener because normally, you know, we always hear the bad side of the millennials, but he shifted it and so that they're actually investing and they're doing this and they're doing so many things. That's good to hear that the millennials are actually doing something po- positive right now. Well, we could do, we could do a, a podcast on millennials. I've been following that <laughs> For, for five years, way before people people used to say, "What's a what are you talking about? A millennial?" I said, "You're going to find out." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Let's let's do that. That sounds good. All right, everybody. We had so much fun, and um, so I will catch you on the flip side. And we're going to be back in two weeks with a new guest. So stay tuned. And Cassie, what did you have to say before we leave? Well, I only have a kitchen because it came with a house, but I made two really um, delicious uh, dinners uh, this week. Chicken parm. I came across a wonderful um, recipe mm-hmm. and uh, curry chicken as well, and it was yummy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Speaking of food, you know, I like to do those food kits, and I love making one that's called ch- uh, Cheesy Chicken Ranch. Oh. It is so good. So, Yeah. It's like with a food ranch, kit. With ranch dressing? You can add the ranch dressing in there, yeah. But the dressing is, there's there's a sauce that comes in the kit. And when you cook it, you open up the, the sauce and you pour it into the pot. And it comes out so delicious. Oh. Well, someone, <laughs> I gave a friend, um, uh, exchanged, uh, she had some uh, oranges really really delicious orange just the oranges and she said well my uh, my husband loves chicken parm and he called me oh my god he was laughing he says this is delicious it knocked my socks off what's that i said well the the secret is uh extra uh mozzarella cheese love lots of cheese <laughs> Ooh! so when we come back in two weeks we'll have cassie bring us a delicious recipe that she can whip up and I'll have a recipe for y'all. It's a zucchini bread. So I love zucchini oh, bread. It is my okay. favorite. So look forward okay. to that when we return in two weeks. All right, everybody. Enjoy your day. Okay. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye for now.